I'll be reading uh, Psalms 130, a song of ascents. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than a watchman waits for the morning, more than a watchman waits for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Amen. Let's pray as we engage this, this wonderful little psalm. Jesus, would you come tonight? As you already have, you've already, you're already here. Would, would you help us center ourselves in you and receive you tonight? Receive your word and to hear what the psalmist has for us tonight, to hear what you have for us tonight. And help us, Lord, to embrace waiting. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know if you caught, there's a kind of a repetitive nature to the psalm, but there's a word in particular that's used, waiting. How many of you love to wait? Yeah, it's the best. Yes, thank you. There's at least one person who enjoys a good wait. No, wait, we're, we struggle. Waiting is hard, isn't it? I mean, especially at Christmas time. I mean, how many of you can go back to when you were a kid and you just think about, like, waiting for Christmas morning was so hard. Like, Juliet, our five, six-year-old, six-year-old, wow, she's six, uh, she, like, was really wrestling with, like, how long she has left of school before Christmas break and Christmas, but, you know, school is kind of the fixation. She's like, it's so long she made a chart, right, to count down her days because she doesn't like waiting, right? We don't like to wait. Sometimes the chart's helpful. Sometimes it's not helpful, right? It's like, oh, I still have this many. I didn't get to Exxon, right? Waiting is hard. Maybe you also are making a chart counting down the days your semester is over because you just want it to be done, cause, but waiting is, is hard because we just want to get to our break. Or maybe you're also like waiting to like, you're not excited about break and you kind of want it to be over. You're just waiting for it to come and then go and get back into things. Maybe you're waiting for your career to start or you're waiting for the next season and you're like almost wishing away college because you don't want to be here anymore. You're just waiting for your real life to begin. Or maybe you're in the room thinking, I'm just waiting for that relationship. Just one, just wish I had a girlfriend or a boyfriend, right? Just wish you're waiting. And there's just something about waiting that's agonizing, is it not? Waiting is hard. But waiting, I don't know if you've noticed this in the past, but waiting is central to Advent. We're in, we're in the, the weeks leading up to Christmas, which uh, traditionally we call this Advent. 
And Advent means coming or arrival. Like, that's what it means. But for something to be coming in the future means that we are currently waiting. So tonight we're, we're going to look at this idea of waiting. as like God is coming, which means we're waiting. But Advent, Advent, waiting is central in Advent. And if you think about it a little bit, right, like we're reminded of the history that people spent generations, like people lived lives and passed on stories and prophecies that one day God would come. One day Jesus would come. They didn't know what it looked like, but they believed and they hoped that one day, and they waited. And generations went by. They passed on the stories and they waited. And so now we in Advent join in that practice each December to remember those who waited for this. But also, Advent reminds us that though Jesus has already come, we're not waiting for him to come, we also are we're waiting for him to come again that it reminds us of he will come again one day, and we are waiting, and we embrace a posture of waiting even now as Christians. But thirdly, Advent also reminds us of the, the really basic Christian practice that's far beyond December of waiting on God in the daily, because waiting isn't just central to Advent. Waiting is central to the Christian way of life. Waiting is central to Christianity itself. Waiting is, is, is central to having a relationship with God himself. And, and so, as we're kind of like looking at this asp- these aspects in Advent about waiting and, and, and the, the past, the future, but also the present reality of, of what it means to wait, I want to go back to this passage, Psalm 130. We're going to examine Psalm 130 a little bit tonight. Um, and, and you can go to it here, because um, I want to just read it again, because it's, one, it's short, but it's beautiful. So it's, out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Now, this isn't specifically an Advent psalm, although with the waiting element, it's easy for us to kind of lean into it. This is actually, it's a song of ascents, which if I had time, we had more time tonight, we'd go into all the richness of the songs of ascents, and so maybe that's something for you to go and read about. Um, There's a a list of, I think it's like 20-some psalms um, that are the songs of ascents, um, but they're really, really beautiful. Um, But this is one of them. Um, But So here's here's a couple things we we notice from this psalm. Um, We don't really get any... clarity of what the psalmist, the writer here, actually is asking for, other than mercy. We, we know he's in depths, and he's crying out to hear, hear God, like, God, hear me, right? Be attentive. He, he wants mercy, but we don't know what, what specifically situation he's in. What we do know, though, is the psalmist has a whole lot of confidence in the character of God, right? He knows God is forgiving. He knows God um, is, is full of unfailing love. He knows with him is full redemption. There's something about um, the character of God the psalmist is confident in. 
And I hope as we've been going through the series, the Which Means series, you too have been able to um, kind of embrace a little bit more that God himself, he is trustworthy, and I can have confidence in his character, right? And the psalmist here has a whole lot of confidence in God's character. But before we even go into, like, what does waiting really mean, and how do we do that, and how the psalmist kind of brings that to us, I think it's important for us to actually pause and ask a question that maybe you've already asked, maybe you've asked in the past, maybe you haven't asked, but as soon as I ask it, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, shoot. It's like, why, why is it that we wait? Why did God make waiting part of our reality? He chose a time to come which means up to that point, there was waiting. But if you were to examine specifically Advent all the more, if you were to think about it, right, he chose this one time in history, which we now in our dating system, like AD zero, right? There's a moment where everything changed, but there's thousands of years before that where we have human history of waiting. So that at this point in history, God said, this is when Jesus is going to come. But how many years and how many generations, how many people lived and believed and hoped, but not even them, nor their kids, nor their children's children, nor their you know, generations of people would never actually experience it. See, and you see, re- really, like you begin to see the, the scale that God like, works on. Sometimes you'd be like, why? God, why did you do it that way? Why did you work over millennia and generations instead of like lifetimes? Why did you tell this story in this way where so many people heard a message but never got to see it? And even in our current eras, we're waiting for him to come again. What? The scale. His magnitude. Why? And even in our daily, regular, like, we wait sometimes in suffering. There's pain. There's darkness. Why, God, does winter have to be so dark? It's 4.45 and it's dark, you know, like we're waiting for spring to come. Why? Why is this part of just our experience? What is God doing with the scale he uses in an introduction of waiting into our world? And I think that's a really big question. And if you've never asked that question, um, you don't feel like you have to jump into it. I'm not making you ask the question, but I think it's one it's worth wrestling with because it it helps us get outside of ourselves and, and bring something real to, to God. And if you have this question, you've had this in the past, I want to affirm that this is a good place to wrestle with. Whatever your questions are, bring them out and wrestle with God. That's what Israel means, by the way, wrestles with God. Um, side note. But ask your questions. And, and the, I, re, I wanted to ask this question because I, I have this question. Why does he work on this scale? But there's two things. It's not meant to be like a... Quick, I got, I got the answer. That's not, it's just two aspects, though, I think that are, that come out of this. I'm sure there's many more, and as we wrestle, we might find a whole lot more together. But two things I notice when I think about why we wait, why God made us to wait. One, I think it reminds us it's not about us. Waiting reminds us that God's the one in control, not us. When we see the scale of what he's doing, it reminds us that our little life is such a blip in history, and that humbles us, rightly so. We are small. The gospel has so much to say of how valuable we are as each individuals, but we also, it's good to notice 
the scale because we're so small. And that, it makes it beautiful when you see that even though we're so small, God notices. The psalmist acknowledges that. It's like, turn your ear to me. Be attentive to me because he recognizes he's so small. Not because God's dismissive, but he recognizes his humility. Waiting reminds us of that. But as you do that, you think about that, the second thing that waiting does is it forms us, right? When you wait, you practice patience, right? And the more you wait, the more you can develop being a patient person, right? Whenever we just like want something right down and there, like we don't develop self-control. There's something about waiting that forms us, and I do believe that is one of the reasons why we wait, that God in His infinite wisdom knew that in time we would experience waiting and it would form us. Now, the reality is it's going to form us regardless which way we go, but there is a way of waiting that does form us into a resentful, bitter, angry person that never accepts anything that happens. But there's also another way, a waiting on Him that forms us into who He's like, into patience, into self-control, into compassion, into humility. And that's what I want to unpack a little bit of how, what's the manner in which we wait? How do we wait in this way that lets us be formed by God? If we go back to our psalm again, <coughs> we can notice the psalmist has puts his whole being, he waits with his whole being, puts his, uh, uh, his hope in God's Word, he waits for the Lord, and then we get the rep repetition. Whenever you see repetition in Scripture, it's a cue. This is important. It's not just, he's, the writer just didn't like accidentally edit, copy and paste and like, oh, it's in there twice. You know, like, no, this is very, very intentional. It's a cue to remind us to look at this. This, this matters. More than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. What he's doing is he's, he's helping us, he's giving us a picture of how he waits. And the image he uses is a really powerful image of, of watchmen. And if you, you might already be able to imagine yourself, but watchmen, right? Okay, so think city and they're in a, there's walled city. The watchmen were the ones who stood on the, the city wall. And during the night, they were the ones watching and looking for dangers, threats, enemies that would come against the city because you could attack the city uh, more successfully at night when you couldn't be seen. So the watchmen were there to look for threats. And the watchmen waited for the dawn because when the dawn came, there came light, which meant it exposed any enemies that were there. And, so, and also, the, the, the darkest point of the night is right before the dawn. So they're there, and that's also the time when they're the most tired. So the watchmen are, are attentively watching for anything and everything, where they're waiting, they're hoping for the dawn to come, to bring light, to see, and then the, the threats become lesser and lesser. It doesn't mean there's not, but like, that's the picture. It's this waiting with attention, but also waiting with hope. And those are the, kind of the two words I want us to kind of like take with us of what it means on how we wait we wait with attentiveness, attention, and we wait in hope. Attention and hope. We wait giving God our attention, and we wait in hope for what He's going to do. And just to kind of unpack those ideas a little bit, 
to wait with attention, I think, is literally what the psalmist does in the beginning. He turns and cries out to God. He gives God his attention. Whatever's on his plate, he's thinking about God. Whenever we experience something, our attention first goes to him, right? When you give so, I'm a dad and I have little kids. There's often times where, where my little girls come running up saying my name over and over and over and over and over again, and I don't give them my attention because I'm focused on something else until finally, like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been ignoring them, you know, like whatever, and they hit me or something, right? They get my attention, Right? And I'm just like, yeah, 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 whatever you want, right? No, it's like, that's not attention. Turning to them and looking at them, hearing them, right? That's giving someone attention. And I think to wait on God is not something that we do or like we, we pray to God, ask for something, and then we go do our thing. Oh, God, did you do that? Okay, cool. And we just go live our life. Now, there's an element of like, you live in reality, you have classes, you have jobs, you have responsibilities, you have families. You're not always just sitting on your knees praying. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is as you go through your life and as you cry out to God, are you actually giving him your attention? Or are you just throwing up stuff to him for him to deal with? Because you, uh, you got more important things to do. Something else has your attention. To wait on God is to give him your attention. And I, this idea is so convicting to me because there's so many things, right? I mean, just this alone grabs our attention relentlessly. And we get addicted to anything. I mean, I don't know how many times I pull out my phone just to do this and put it back in. I don't even know what I'm looking for. Something else has my attention. Waiting on God, this discipline of this way of life in Christ is to give him our attention. But this other word, hope, to hope in God, right? More than watchmen wait for the morning, right? I put my hope in his word. Israel, put your hope in God, right? This idea of waiting also includes this idea of hope. I'm waiting for God because I know he has what I need. And I'm waiting for him because he's going to do it. He's going to satisfy all that I need. I'm waiting for him because though I want my grade, my A, and my final, I want my paper to, to pass, whatever it is that you're like right now you're hoping for, right? Whatever the situation, the circumstance, the scenario, in all of it, I'm waiting because I know God's going to pull me through. And that idea of hoping not for my own stuff, though, yeah, of course, of course we want you all to succeed in your schoolwork. That's not what I'm saying. Right? I, want, I want you to, to care. God cares about your schoolwork. But he wants you to hope in him, not your success. He wants you to find your sense of, I'm okay, I have hope in the fact that God is here, he's with us, and he has purpose, and he's going to do something in the future, and so we wait on what he wants to do. Wait with attention and wait in hope. Practically, I think this just means more time with him. We literally sit and be still. Make room for him. Develop a practice where you get alone. Read and listen. This is incredibly important for us as believers, and yet we often don't. But it requires you to go to him often. Do you go to him? Do you give him your attention? Do you hope for him in your situations and in, in situa um, 
circumstances. That's the word I was looking for. Hoping in him means we yield our expectations to God and trust him whatever comes. We wait for what he's going to do. Lastly, though, with how we wait, there's one more piece I think the psalmist does right at the end. He says, Israel, put your hope in the Lord. There's something about he's, he's determined, I'm going to wait with everything I got. I'm going to wait more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. I'm going to wait. Israel, do it too. There's this element of how we wait that turns to others and invites others in to this waiting. How often have you been waiting on God, invited someone else to join you in it? Whether it's specific or just general, general posture, a way of life. Hey, let's wait on God. Let's wait, make a way of life that is more about waiting on God instead of on this or that. Giving Him our attention instead of something else. Our waiting on God should lead us, as the psalmist does, to invite others, others into this waiting on him with attention and with hope. But if we do this, right? So, okay, so we, we wrestle a little bit with, with why. He's God, not us, and waiting forms us. We wrestle a little bit with how, with attention. He would give him our attention. And when we hope in him, we stand here and hope for what he has. What will happen if we do this? What happens if we wait on God? I already mentioned it. For, it's it's going to form us. It's going to make us more patient people, more compassionate toward other people. It's going to make us less selfish, less self-centered, because we recognize God is God, not us. We're going to recognize all the things we put our attention to and recognize they just don't satisfy. They're going to let us down. But God doesn't. But I love what the psalmist reiterates a couple times, like, with him is unfailing love. When you wait on God and you give him time, attention, and hope for him, you experience that unfailing love over and over and again. And you create this space where you can go so easily to experience his love. As you wait on him, you know him. You know him. You know what he's like and his character. He's worthy of it. And if we do this together, waiting on him, man, we will experience what he's like together. And we will become more like him together. Our world needs that. Our world needs patience. Our world needs compassion. Our world needs unfailing love. When we wait on him, he forms us into himself. That's what happens. And it's beautiful. And wherever you are tonight, if you're like, if there's something that's tugging at you, I want you to be able to open your heart and respond to him. And to begin to practice that idea of, I'm going to, I need to work, I want to wait on him. Let's do that. Do, bring it up in small group. We're going to go to discussion here in a moment. I know it's a little later, but there's one last thing I wanted to say before we, we end. There's one thing in this psalm that reminds us what we don't need to wait for. God wants us to learn how to wait on him. What we don't need to wait for is his forgiveness. We don't have to wait for his unfailing love. 
We don't have to wait for him to come and make us. Like, he, he is here. He has done the work. That's the cross. As we look at Advent and we look at what he's done, he came to us to, to make everything new, and he came to, to show us that he's paid the debt for our sin. He's washed us. There is now forgiveness in him. Advent reminds us we no longer need to wait for his grace and his forgiveness. And wherever you are in the room, if there is something that you've been just carrying with you, and you feel like you got to clean yourself up before you can get right with God, you feel like you have to do all the Christian things before you can feel okay, you don't have to wait. You don't have to put on some bow and make yourself look good to God. With Him is forgiveness, full redemption unfailing love. And none of that do we have to wait for. Sure, waiting, for, waiting on him, you're going to know the depths and the magnitude of his forgiveness and the magnitude of his love, of course. But you can receive that right now, tonight. And so I just want to pray for us to be able to experience right now what he has for us as we also step in to a way of life that is also waiting on God with attention and in hope. So I want to pray first before we go any further. Jesus, thank you that we don't have to wait for your forgiveness anymore. Thank you that you are here right now. Your mercies are new every morning. And your unfailing love is for us and has been poured out for us. That we can know you now through your grace and forgiveness, your blood shed on a cross. 2,000 years ago. Lord, if there's anyone in the room that that right there, that message, that word, that I don't need to wait anymore for your forgiveness, if, that is, it is that, if that's for someone, Lord, would you just speak to their heart tonight? You don't need to wait. I would love to forgive you. That's what he says. That's what he says to us. He would be delighted to forgive you and bring you into um, a restored relationship with Him. Whether that's your first time or your hundredth time or your billionth time, His grace is sufficient. You don't have to wait. But Lord, we also remember, additionally, the practice and the history as believers of waiting. Help us, Lord, as we go from this place to learn to wait on you with greater attention, to wait on you in hope that you are going to be our satisfaction, not something else. We would understand a little bit more why we wait and what will happen when we do. Thank you that you are with us even now. Would you pour out your love on us this Advent season? as we wait on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I know it's a little later tonight, but I would like to just take a few minutes for us to discuss a couple things in in response to this sermon, um, because I think waiting on God is so important, um, even in the midst of chaos. Um, and so, with just a couple people around you, there's, there's three questions I have for you to ask. If you don't get to all three, that's fine. Um, But the first two are really similar. What does waiting with attention look like for you? And what does waiting with hope look like for you? 
And then lastly, which of these could you invite someone to join you in? Cool? Thank you all.